God be the glory. It's uh, very gratifying that uh, we're able to fulfill Dr. Falwell's original vision, which is to play at the very highest level. Guys, I want to tell you, you're representing so many people today. You are living out what people started many years ago. You are walking on their shoulders, their foundation. You make up your mind that you leave this field today with absolutely no regrets that you'll remember. That you left it all out there and you come back in here and I gave it all for Liberty University, my teammates, my coaches. We'll do it together, for we can. For we, we can. can do all things. Do all things. Through Christ Jesus. He strengthens us. Strengthens us. Each and every day. Each and every day. And may God. And may God. Play with play. All right. All right. All right. Flames fans, we are 5-0. and Count them up, 5-0. and We are getting top 25 votes in the country. Your Liberty Football Flames are playing great, having an amazing season, and uh, we are here covering it all, enjoying it all with you. So uh, it's good to be here. Uh, you're listening to the Sea of Red podcast. My name is Chad Hassan, and I am joined by co-host who uh, – Owner, founder, and all things of seaofred.com, John Manson. John, how's it feel to be COVID free? How's it feel to be five and zero? And how are you doing, man? Yeah, I did have to get a COVID test to get up to uh, to Syracuse last week. That was a little interesting twist in there, but but we got it all worked out. No worries. Uh, couldn't pass the pass up the opportunity of uh, being present to watch Liberty's first ever win over an ACC opponent. So. Uh, that was a lot of fun. A little bit of stress thrown in there middle of the week last week, but all worked out. And man, it's man, five and zero. Oh, we talked about it last week. I listened to the podcast twice on my drive up to Syracuse last week, and you know, after the game, I just kept thinking, man, so many things we said on that were just perfect. You know, talking about celebrating on the big S there in the Carrier Dome, and and you know, just how great it would be for the program, and you know. What a great, what a great time talking about. You know, maybe this leads to Dino Babers getting fired, and and you know, of course, starting Saturday afternoon. What do you see from Syracuse media starting piling on Dino? Which obviously, I don't want anybody to lose their job. But um, you know, it's it's been a great few days, and and you know, I texted Ian McCall after the game, said, you know, congrats, Ian. You know, great win, and, and his first response is, we got to keep it moving. So I feel the same way. Got to keep it moving because as soon as you uh, you slip up and lose a game, then all that national love is gone immediately. Yeah, so we are currently in the biggest wave of our life. Like we are in the we're in the massive wave. We caught it. We're riding it. We got all this national exposure. But uh, you're exactly right. As soon as we lose and we're no longer undefeated, that wave comes crashing down. So we are in the middle of the ride right now. We are we are just surfing like you wouldn't believe on this record. It is uh, unbelievable. So, John, let's recap the Syracuse game. You were there in person. What was just the vibe from the team, one? And then, two, which unit graded out the best, in your opinion, just after watching, seeing all the stats? What unit outperformed or just kind of led the way on Saturday? We heard a lot of it last week talking to the players. They all talked about this is a revenge game. They shut us out at home last year. We're going to go up there and prove that that was a fluke. And, you know, so they were focused, laser focused, um, determined, um, confident. You know, Coach Freeze has got these guys believing they can beat anybody in the country, which is pretty remarkable for a, a team that's got two FBS recruiting classes. And they're both, you know, 100 plus ranked recruiting classes, not like you're rolling out four and five stars out there on the field. Um, and those are freshmen and sophomore we're talking about. Um, you know, so th- these guys were, were amped up, ready to go. And, and they, you know, the defense struggled there the first, you know, two, three, four drives Syracuse had. But, you know, Coach Simons, which we have not talked about Coach Simons, I don't believe the defensive coordinator enough. He doesn't get enough love. And I, maybe we shouldn't give him too much love because then some of these Power 5 schools are going to come come and calling for him to be their defensive coordinator. But, I mean, if you look at the stats, Liberty's defense is ranked top 10 nationally. They're number four in total defense. Uh, top 10 in scoring defense, top 10 in passing defense, top 10 in red zone defense, top 10 in third down defense. And, you know, look at where we were a year ago. Look at where we were the last couple of years under Coach Gill as a defense where we couldn't stop anybody. I mean, we would have to score 50 points a game 
to, to be competitive. Um, so it's just remarkable what he's been able to do. Um, yeah, but, you know, it's hard not to, to look to the to offensive line. I mean, the first thing you think about is, is a running back and Shedra Lewis and, and Peyton Pickett and what they've done and what Malik's done through the first uh, few games this year. But, you know, we've had Mack run for 100 yards and each of those other three guys I just mentioned. So we've had four different running runners go for uh, 100 yards in a game. And it's got to come back to the offensive line. You had uh, Coach Greg on this podcast a few weeks ago, and and what a job he's done. I mean, he he, he was kind of an unknown coming in to, to his job here at Liberty, but you know, in just less than two years, he's took taken that unit from being you know kind of a question mark to being the strength of the team, and not only the strength of the team, but you know, being able to go into an ACC opponent and just dominate at the line of scrimmage. And you could say that about the offensive line and defensive line. Defensive line, you know, we've talked about them before too. That they, they went and dominated again. They, they've won games, I believe, single-handedly for us. And um, it, it, it's just been a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I uh, just got off with uh, the uh, speaking with the defensive line coach, Aldridge, and he said that they had a great game all, all across the board. Um, so – just with that win, and we, we talked about it last week being the biggest in school history, um, d- does it still feel like that even after the win? I mean, we said it would be. Uh, do you still feel that way? Do you still feel like it is? Yeah, it is. No, I mean, no question about it. The only other time I've ever felt this way, well, I guess two. there's a few times. I mean, when we beat Georgia Southern in the Cure Bowl, you were down there with me. It was you know that you kind of had that euphoric fear feeling, I guess, afterwards, where you just felt on such a high, like, man, this is so good. You know, I've kind of got that same feeling and have had that since Saturday afternoon, especially at being Syracuse. I know they're one in four, whatever their record is, and you know, will they win another game this year? I don't know. They're probably going to get beat by seventy this week at, at Clemson, but they're still an ACC team. Liberty's still in in its second, third year, whatever you want to say, uh, as an FBS team. So yeah, it's a huge win. Um, I know, you know, Vegas had Liberty as a two to three point favorite, but, um, you know, most computer projections had Syracuse winning and, you know, having a 60 plus percent chance at winning, um, you know, and and we've talked. I mean, Syracuse has been in the ACC and been a power five school for a number of years. So think of how many recruiting classes they've had of getting three and four and maybe even a couple of five star kids. And, and for Liberty to, to go in there and do that at, at such a infancy of a FBS program, yeah, it, it's definitely the biggest win. But also, like we mentioned last week, we that was the biggest game in school history, the biggest win in school history. But uh, take care of business this week. And a couple weeks from now, if you look down at the schedule, uh, Liberty could be 6-0, and could be in the top 25, headed to Blacksburg to take on a, another top 25 team in Virginia Tech. Wow, an in-state top 25 matchup. I wonder when the last time Virginia has seen that. Uh, I know that UVA hadn't been good historically until last year when they actually beat Virginia Tech. So we'll have to look at that. Has there been a top 25 matchup between state schools in in in, in that period of time? Um, so with the, the okay, a question about Hugh Freeze and his coaching staff. Um, which leads us to our list that we're going to do here in a second. But the question is, when Hugh Freeze was hired, you and I both felt really good about it. We knew that he could coach. We knew that he could recruit. And uh, But did you expect this in a year and a half to be where we are? Like one a season and a half, and here we are undefeated on a seven-game win streak with just the sky is the limit, it feels. No. Um, I knew he was a good coach, but no. I didn't think we'd be five and zero at any point in time last year, this year. Um, you know, getting top twenty five votes. I didn't think it was something that we we were, you know, we should be prepared for. It. it, it I, I don't really know how to put it into words. It's a. I mean, you can sit here and say it's amazing, but that doesn't. That seems so. You know, such a small word for what's happened. I mean, he's taken a team that's had one top one hundred recruiting class in the program's history and we're five and zero with a win over an ACC opponent uh, that we are favored against and, you know, top 35 in the country, you know, by all, pretty much all uh, polls at this point in time, you know, got to number 25 in ESPN's power rankings. I mean, 
I, I don't know how to put into words that what crazy job he's done in such a short time. It just, and you know, talking to these players and coaches, they, they don't act surprised. They act like, you know, Oh, you know, ho-hum just another week, you know, it's not that big of a deal. But for me, I'm sitting here thinking, man, you know, I can barely contain myself at, at just the, with excitement that I have for, for what this team's done. But um, it, it, it's pretty remarkable the job he's done, uh, you know, in less than two years. Yeah. I mean, here, you're exactly right. I mean, the thing is Liberty had never done it before. That's the biggest obstacle. Could it be done here? You know, you had, you have, you know, every little nuance that coaching at Liberty and, and bringing talent into Liberty, you know, with our Liberty way and, and the facilities. And it's just like our, our, we'd not in a conference. It feels like he's embraced all of that. Honestly, it feels like that he likes making his own schedule every year. He likes, you know, based upon what type of team he thinks he'll have and how many, if he can get to five or six wins to be bowl eligible, it feels like he embraces the faith aspect of it and, and, and the rules and, and making the right choices. And uh, he definitely embraces the facilities and, and, and all of that. So I feel like it's just been a good fit and we see that it can be done here. That's kind of the most amazing piece is, you know, as a lifelong Liberty fan, I'm sure, you know, you feel this as well. Like we were wondering could it ever be done here? I mean, we were told, we were all dreaming, we all thought it would, but it was just like you still had that in the back of your mind. It's like, well, can this be the place that it takes that next step? And he's kind of proven it. So that leads us to our list of top five coaches in the country. So we're going to rank out in, uh, in an unbiased way the top five con- coaches we believe in the entire country, FBS level, college football. So, John, who comes in at number five? Uh, Ed Orgeron, um, you know, I know LSU is kind of struggling right now. Uh, I think they're one and two right now uh, to start off the 2020 season, but they're defending national champions. Um, he's 41 and 11 in his four or five years there and at LSU. And, you know, this is just a guy that's, you know, probably one of the best recruiters in the country. He's able to come into LSU. You know, that's a story program. They've been good before. Um, you know, they've won national championships before, so it's not like he, he you know, took a, a doormat of a program and built them up. But, you know, SEC was struggling – or LSU was struggling there in the SEC West against, you know, Al- Alabama having to go up against that juggernaut of Alabama and Nick Saban and the dynasty they've had there the last decade plus. Um, but for him to come in and, you know, turn that around so quickly and get them to, to you know, competing on a national stage – um, you know, he's also, you know, Hugh Freeze is a disciple of his. You know, when he was there at Ole Miss back, you know, a decade plus ago, you know, Hugh Freeze was on his staff and learned a lot of the things that that he's kind of dealing with right now and, and going forward with his coaching style under him. So um, Orgeron's definitely got things going down there in Baton Rouge. And, um, you know, they're down a little bit this year. You know, Joe Burrow's gone, but um, Coach O – you know, you know, they won the national championship, so everybody's going to give them their best shot this year. But um, he's definitely proven that that he has the ability and, and is one of the best coaches in the country. Okay, so at number four, I got a guy that's actually not coaching right now, and that is Urban Meyer. I feel like if Urban Meyer gets hired at a place like USC or Texas or any of those programs that might be looking for a head coach here in the next year or two, um, I feel like that Urban Meyer would put them in the national contention. I mean, the way the guy recruits, his spread offense, he was kind of a, one of the pioneers when he had it at Utah and then took it down to Florida. And and then what he did up at Ohio State, he's proven that it can win in the SEC, it can win in the Big Ten, and then it can win in the G5 ranks as well. I think that Urban Meyer is kind of an offensive genius, but I think the way he recruits and runs a program um, – you know, if Urban Meyer ever gets back into coaching, which I believe he will if the opportunity is right, like I said, USC, Texas, somewhere like that, um, I can see Urban Meyer really just be – I think he's right now, if, if you're an athletic director and you have an opening and you're trying to bring in the very best coach, uh, Urban Meyer's on that, definitely on that short list of people you're calling. And uh, so that's – I think Urban Meyer checks in at four. Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting – you pull out a guy that's not even coaching has been out of coaching for a few years, but you're right. If he were to come back to coaching, he's immediately going to be um, having his team compete for, for conference championships and probably national championships, wherever he may be. Um, 
Number three, maybe it's a homer pick, um, but I think he definitely deserves to be in the conversation amongst the best uh, coaches in, in college football right now. And, you know, Hugh Freeze, Liberty's head coach, Hugh Freeze. Everywhere he's been, he's built a winner, and he's built a winner immediately. You know, whether it was in the NAIA at Lambeth where he, you know, won 12 games in his second year or, or in the Sun Belt at Arkansas State where he, you know, led them to a 10-win season. Uh, obviously, we know what he did at Ole Miss and, you know, beating Alabama and Nick Saban twice and making it to the Sugar Bowl and Peach Bowl and um, things like that. But, you know, now what he's done at Liberty in his first year winning the program's first ever bowl game and uh, now, you know, on the precipice of a top 25 team and 5-0 and and, you know, just everything he's been able to accomplish at Liberty in such short order as we talked about just moments ago. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. You know, it's hard for me to sit there and say how he would do in the SEC again, but we've seen it before, right? I mean, he's been able to win, you know, 11 games, 10 games in, as an SEC head coach, and that's the best of the best. So he's proven that he can do it. He's beaten Nick Saban twice. And we just saw an article last week um, where Nick Saban was quoted as saying that, you know, Hugh Freeze changed the way that, that Saban coaches and adopting that wide open offense and, and things like that. So, you know, we're definitely fortunate and blessed to have Freeze at Liberty. And and he, I don't care who's doing a list, he deserves to be amongst the top coaches in the country. It's just a matter of where you put him. Yep. And I agree with you, man. I'm, I'm 100%. I, I think, you know, I, we're, we're partial, of course, because of we, we knew the ins and outs of Liberty before Hugh got here and what he, we've been able to see the, from, from which we, from whence we came. And, uh, so I agree. And, and, you know, as as evidenced by Twitter last weekend. Okay, so as soon as we go five and zero and Auburn loses, Auburn's a top job in the SEC right now that might come open. I don't know if it will. Malzahn's done a decent job down there, and the fans are just a little restless. You know, but if that job does come open, who who else in the world are they going to interview? I mean, it's it's got to be Freeze. And uh, he's just, he's been an incredible, here's what I love about Freeze and how he fits into Liberty. Above his offensive prowess, above everything else, the the thing I like about Freeze for Liberty right now is his just engagement with the fans. Whether it's jumping on Twitter every once in a while or just being completely transparent, as, as transparent as possible in press conferences, to just engaging the fan base. I mean, he's done that in a way. We're, we're such a young fan base that we needed somebody like that. We couldn't be closed to the media. We couldn't be. Uh, we couldn't have the short answers all the time and just kind of get the the status quo type thing. We needed a little bit of inside inside baseball type information, and Freeze has provided that with a personality and with a winner's personality. He's kind of brought that winning mentality not only to his football program, but he's brought it, brought it to the fan base. So that is the one thing that I think makes him almost just top of the line guy and coach is he has the leadership skills, he has the coaching prowess and the, and the offensive mind, and he also has the ability to surround himself with very talented coaches um, and, and obviously recruiting. He's one of the best recruiters in the country. But the thing I think that makes him and puts him on this list is how he engages with the fan base and and kind of changes the the whole mindset of not just his program but everybody that follows his program as well. And that is that is a special trait for him to have, and he might be one of the best in the country at it. So uh, Hugh Freeze definitely deserves to be at number three. We couldn't put him in front of these other two. You guys probably already know who they are. So I'll go ahead and say Nick Saban, Dynasty, Alabama. Uh, he just recruits the best. He he surrounds himself with top offensive and defensive coordinators. They're leaving him every year. It seems like if, if they win a national championship, he's going to lose his defensive coordinator. Um, Kirby smart. He's going to lose his offensive coordinator. Uh, Lane Kiffin are examples of guys that he's put in top programs in the sec. So, I mean, he's, he's uh, he, and he's continues to win, continues to recruit Nick Saban juggernaut. And, and let's not forget, he did this same thing at LSU, so it's not like it's just Alabama and just the um, program prestige there. He's also done it at LSU and was had them humming before he left for Miami Dolphins. So um, Nick Saban definitely up there, and uh, it was kind of a toss up between him and the top coach. But um, who we got at number one, John? Yeah, obviously, it's no surprise. Dabo Sweeney. 
And as you mentioned, you know, these two are obviously the top two right now in the game. It's just a matter of who's going to be number one, who's going to be number two. Um, but right now it's, it's Sweeney and what he's done at Clemson and partially because he did it at Clemson. I mean, he's won two national championships, um, I think six conference championships at, in the ACC. And, and this is Clemson we're talking about. I know they've been good before back in the, you know, maybe eighties or, or early nineties, but, um, you know, nothing like a, an Alabama or even an LSU or, or some of these other household names in Oklahoma or Nebraska or Texas or USC or, and this is Clemson that we're talking about in, in South Carolina. They're, they've never been really a household no, name, I don't believe, but for him to go from, you know, a recruiting coordinator there to rise quickly to an interim head coach, I think I saw a graphic recently where when he was first named interim head coach there at Clemson, he was making like $200,000 a year and now he's making 10 million a year. Um, but he's definitely deserved it and what he's been able to do. And, you know, building, you mentioned Alabama and a dynasty. They've got a dynasty going there at, at Clemson right now. And, um, you know, I don't think there's much argument as to who the top two are. You just could, you know, kind of picking one A and one B between who you would rather have lead your program right now. So, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, it kind of felt good making that top five list and and confidently saying that Hugh Freeze was a top coach and top five coach in the country. I'm sure that uh, some would disagree, but if you're looking at this objectively, he's still he's still right up there. So um, anyway, John, that is uh, that wraps up the list. We are looking forward to Southern Miss. And uh, are you going to be there on Saturday? As long as there's a game, I'll be there. Sure. Yeah, are you are you feeling confident that there will be a game? Um, you know, with COVID in 2020, it's hard to say you feel confident as of today, which is Tuesday. I, yes, I feel confident. Basically, every day you wake up and don't hear news about the game being canceled is a good thing. Southern Miss is getting tested every day uh, with COVID tests. So as long as those come back negative and they don't have any new positives, we'll definitely have a game because. Um, I was on the press conference with their uh, interim coach there, Scotty Walden, um, on Monday, and and they're expected to get some of these guys that have been in isolation for the last couple of weeks back this week, and they would have only had about 43 guys uh, this past Saturday when their game was canceled. But they played a few weeks ago, three weeks ago, um, with 53 scholarship players. So, you know, if they can get back to 50-plus scholarship players um, ready to play, I think we'll be okay. So every day we make it without um, positive tests. And once they get to Friday and they get on the plane, we're good to go. Last question for you, John. Uh, talk to us a little bit about the COVID test. Is that the first one you've had? And do they really stick that thing up in your brain with, to, and tickle your nose up there? Or did you have to do the 15-second hold that I've heard about? I mean, these players get tested so much that you hear, you hear a lot of war stories about it. Uh, what was your experience like? Yeah, that was my first test. I, I actually, it's an interesting story. So I found out on Wednesday that in order to go to the to the game at uh, Syracuse, I was going to have to have a, provide a, a negative COVID test. So, you know, of course, I'm sitting here thinking, man, what, you know, I've heard all those stories too. I'm thinking, is it worth it going through, getting a test done? Um, you know, ultimately I decided yes. But then I wanted to make sure that I would get my results back. And there's not that, I don't know how many people listening have, had to get COVID tests done for whatever reason, but there's not that many places in Virginia, certainly not in Lynchburg area, where I can get a rapid test done. So I, you know, spent better part of Wednesday evening just searching for somewhere. I eventually found a place. I had to go to Fredericksburg to get, get the test, uh, which was fine. But I mean, it, I was nervous. I'm not going to lie. I was nervous. I walked in there to get the test, and um, the lady, you know, took my, uh, you know my check my vitals you know and and she got my heartbeat and blood pressure and, and she immediately says you're not nervous are you and i'm like yeah a little bit she's like yeah i can tell um but yeah they you know the, then the lady came in she was basically in a hazmat suit to, to give me the test and she um it wasn't that bad though i mean it, i guess i've heard where they stick it all the way up to your brain basically or they just kind of go in halfway well I, that's the one i got it was, so it wasn't that bad i mean if i had to do it again tomorrow i would but don't really want to it was a little uncomfortable but it wasn't too bad cool man well we appreciate you going up there and providing all the great coverage for cofred.com it's uh really really elevated our game as fans we have a one spot to go and and kind of see 
um, you know, content and, and get all of the coverage. So nice job with all of it so far this year. And uh, as we continue to ride this wave, I'm sure it'll continue to be fun uh, covering this team. But um, John, go Flames and uh, let's get that let's get that six and zero this Saturday. All right, guys, we have a very special guest with us. Uh, we have Mr. Stephen Ray, a.k.a. Mr. SEC Stingray, and uh, he is uh, loves college football. He's from down in the south, and uh, we thought it would be appropriate to bring him in to help us preview Southern Miss. But before we do that, Stingray, uh, let's kind of tell our listeners who might not be familiar uh, kind of – you know, where, how you got your start with college football and uh, a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. Well, first off, thank you for having me on this show. It is a pleasure and an honor. And uh, this is game coming up this weekend. It's going to be a really good one between Liberty and Southern Miss. Uh, but for those of you who don't know me, uh, I started out uh, doing video rants on the Paul Feinbaum show, uh, the year that Mississippi State actually went to number one in the country back in 2014. And I started doing uh, the rants uh, the week of the LSU versus Mississippi State game. Uh, Feinbaum, unfortunately, did not show that one. Uh, Mississippi State went down there to Tiger Stadium and shocked the world. Uh, The next week, uh, Mississippi State played host to Texas A&M. In Starkville, I sent in a rant that week. He sent, he played it on the show, and thus Stingray was born. And uh, ever since then, I've been, you know, the Stingray persona. And I quit doing the rants back in 2000, and I think it was 17. Uh, and I'll get into that here in a little bit later on. Okay. So <clears throat> let's uh, – so that – so Mississippi State fan, born and raised in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, yes. went to the University of Alabama. Yes. And then uh, what I heard was you went down there and visited Mississippi State because you wanted to go to school there. Yes. Uh, ended up going to Alabama, but you fell in love with Mississippi State. And then you just kind of kind of got your uh, kind of got your thing going with the uh, cowbell and some of the yes. rants for Mississippi State. I love it. That was the passion that uh, the world needed to see with college football. So I guess the the tie-in for me here was I heard you had Hugh Freeze on a couple weeks ago, and uh, an awesome interview, by the way. I love listening to your show. I don't even I, I don't follow any SEC teams, but I do listen to your show. I do watch your uh, new YouTube, the Stingray Show. Um, I love what you got going on there. But anyway, so I heard the Hugh Freeze interview and thought I'd have you on because here's the interesting perspective I think you can provide our fans. That is Mississippi State and Ole Miss. They hate each other. So I was wondering your relationship or what you thought of Hugh Freeze during that time when he was coaching at, at Ole Miss, and uh, was there any animosity because of what he came in and started building at Ole Miss? Uh, absolutely not. There's never been any kind of animosity towards myself and Coach Freeze, even though he was the coach up there at Ole Miss. I've always liked Coach Freeze. Uh, and actually, uh, Coach Freeze – well, let me just go ahead and say this um, – that, and I'm not trying to brag here. I'm just trying to, you know, put a point across. Um, back in two th- November of 2017, uh, I had the pleasure uh, and the I was honored to go on out to L.A. Uh, back in September of that year and actually record a segment with Daniel Tosh of Tosh.0. And uh, it was all about Mississippi State and and their traditions, and it was supposed to be a, a, a decent, good interview. And so I went on ahead and did it, and I, you know, previewed it uh, the week before, and then it aired. And the Mississippi State fans went absolutely nuts in a negative way. They started fat-shaming me, they started bullying me, and they started, uh, you know, um, uh, basically saying that I was an embarrassment to the school because I was I went on Tosh.0 and that I was, um, you know, advancing my own brand at the expense of Mississippi State. And so it got really nasty and really, really bad. And, you know, Mississippi State and Ole Miss, and at that point, you know, Coach Freeze was still the coach at Ole Miss, and he actually sent me a personal message that said this. 
I have always enjoyed your passion. I believe you are a good man. Don't let the negativity of social media keep you from the joy you clearly have in life, Coach Breeze. And ever since then, I have been, uh, you know, I've talked to Coach Breeze on uh, numerous occasions via Twitter and that kind of stuff because I thought that was a great thing for him to do. And especially since he was the coach at Ole Miss and talking to a fan of a rival school, I really like Coach Breeze uh, because I think he is a great man. Awesome. Stingray, I didn't even know that story. Uh, doesn't surprise me. Hugh right. seems to be that kind of guy that's uh, taking on and, and reaching out. And, uh, yes. you know, he, he knows a little bit about Twitter bullying. And you just yes. search his name and every day it's something new and, and somebody's attacking his family or himself. Right. So uh, it's kind of he, he kind of understands it. So that was uh, that was really incredible that he sent yes. you that message. And then he sent me another one uh, about my weight loss, too. Uh, so he's always been real encouraging, and that's the reason that I reached out to him and asked him if he would be on my show a couple of weeks ago. Awesome, awesome. So uh, <clears throat> I guess it won't be that hard to get you to put a post up. I didn't know if it was going to be hard or not, but I guess it won't be that hard to get you to – if we send you a Liberty shirt and a Liberty Hugh Freeze uh, yeah. visor – it won't be that hard for you to either wear it in your show or put a post up on Twitter uh, talking about the Liberty Flames since we're 5-0, and especially right. if we beat Southern Miss. Uh, that's I, not gonna I, I that do not mind ask. at all. I, I do not mind doing that at all. Awesome. That sounds awesome, Stingray. So uh, let me pick your brain on the college football side of things. I'm really glad you told that story about Coach Freeze. Let me um, pick your brain on the college football side of things. First of all, let's get an overview before we dive into the Liberty Southern Miss an overview of the SEC this year. I know at the first uh, beginning of the season, I was kind of watching all the college football talking heads on TV, and they were all talking about the SEC lost, didn't forgot how to play defense. Yes. Uh, what's your take on just the offensive outputs down there? And even even a couple weeks ago, Nick Saban credited Coach Freeze for changing up the way he played offense just to keep up with that style. Um, what is your – is it bad defense, good offense, a combination of both? What's going on this year? Uh, I think it's a combination of both. Uh, I think you have great playmakers uh, at a lot of teams on the offensive side of the ball. And then I think with the COVID pandemic and uh, players not being able and coaches not being able to meet in the spring with spring ball and basically, uh, you know, the uh, spring games uh, that everybody has – you know, you're not allowed to contact and all that. That really hurt the tackling. Uh, and I think you're not uh, – not only are you going to see it in the SEC, you know, this weekend the Big Ten kicks off. And I think you're going to see that across the board in the Big Ten. In a couple of weeks, the Pac-12 starts. I think you're going to see that in the Pac-12 as well. So I think you're going to see a lot of defenses nationwide. Uh, it's not just going to be a conference issue uh, with the SEC. I, I think it's going to be – a, a uh, you know, a, a countrywide type thing. And that's why I think that it's anybody's ball game this year uh, to win the national championship just because it's going to be uh, the year of attrition. And, uh, you know, how can you fare if your number ones go down this year? So <clears throat> I know that you're uh, your co-host of the Stingray Show. I know that he is a, a Southern Miss guy and, and kind of down that way. And uh, you guys had asked, coach freeze about his his alma mater and and those types of things so what is what is your feeling about southern this year and uh do they have do they have enough horses to keep up with the hugh freeze type offense what is your take on the game and what have you studied or uh, what, what what is your just overall feeling about this game where liberty is a 10 point favorite at home against southern miss well this is the perfect timing if you're a liberty fan uh because southern miss is coming off of a covid issue within the football team and their interim head coach tested positive for COVID yesterday, and his status for the game is questionable. Uh, he may not even be able to make the trip uh, up there. Uh, so that's that's going to really play into uh, you know the hands of Coach Breeze and Liberty uh, because Southern Miss has not played in a long time because their game uh, last week with FAU was canceled due to COVID. So they've not played in a while. And uh, and especially with them just getting over having the COVID issue, 
uh, you know, I really feel like that this is going to be a pretty big sweet spot for Liberty uh, to really uh, roll in this game on Saturday. Awesome. So uh, I'm going to spring one on you here. I got a question earlier in the episode, uh, me and the co-host, we ranked the top five coaches in the country. I'll give you the list. And then I want you to tell me if there's any that just stand out that completely we whiffed on. Right. Five was Ed Orgeron. Four was Urban Meyer, even though he's not coaching right now. Three was Hugh Freeze at Liberty. Two was Nick Saban. And number one was Dabo Sweeney. Is In that top five, do you think Hugh Freeze belongs in that top five, or are we just kind of fanboys over here trying to, trying to put him somewhere he doesn't belong? I, I definitely believe that Coach Freeze, um, you know, belongs in the top five. Uh, not necessarily where he goes, you know, that's up to everybody else. Uh, but, yeah, I think I think what he did in his track record at Ole Miss uh, by beating Alabama two years in a row, uh, yes, that definitely puts him towards the top. I mean, because, you know, how many coaches can actually say that they knocked off Nick Saban other than, you know, Coach O and maybe Gus Malzahn. But, of course, Coach Malzahn uh, actually got him and has only got him at home Hugh Freeze actually has a win against Nick Saban and Bryant Denny, and that goes a long way because it is extremely hard to knock off Nick Saban in Alabama in Tuscaloosa, let alone on the road. Oh, man. Yeah, so we weren't too far off. So you you can understand how giddy and excited we are as Liberty fans coming from the FCS, coming from the nobodies, and and then here we are. We played a year in FBS, and then all of a sudden we have Hugh Freeze, and he is just – Man, we're off to the races here. Feels like we can go six and zero and get top twenty five votes already. Right. So you can kind of tell how excited we are to have him, and that's kind of why I wanted to reach out to you to kind of get some history there because you've studied Coach Freeze more than I'm sure about anybody. So uh, it, it was great to catch up with you. Any final thoughts here before we uh, before we get on down the to the rest of the podcast? Uh, I guess I would just say go Flames and, uh, you know, good luck to you, Freeze, the rest of the way. Uh, you know, they've got two uh, very tough games against two ACC opponents, uh, NC State and then, of course, Virginia Tech later on in the year. And both of those teams are actually ranked right now. So if they could go in there and knock off even one of those teams, it would be a huge, uh, you know, uh, thing, a, a huge star uh, for Liberty moving forward. And especially since you guys, are so uh, just not not far removed from moving up to this level. So uh, yeah, that is uh, Stingray, and let me give you your where they can find your stuff at. If you just follow him on Twitter at Stephen Ray Thirty, and then uh, he has a great uh, YouTube show, the Stingray Show. Um, they're on episode seven, I believe, and it has been a fantastic watch. Even if you uh, don't have any affiliation with the SEC, Stingray's passion has got him a long ways with college football and uh stingray it was such a pleasure to have you on thank you very much and uh, we'll be catching up with you down the road yes sir go flames all right we have with us uh defensive line coach um for your five and oh liberty flames coach aldridge coach how you doing this morning I'm doing well just got out of practice uh showered up and Headed back to the office, had a good Tuesday practice, so I'm doing good. So, uh, yeah, last week at Syracuse, um, you know, I'm, I'm very untrained. I'm just a fan, but watching the game, it looked like your unit played one of their best games and kind of dominated that game from rushing the quarterback, stopping the run. It all seemed to be working. Um, would, you, would you agree that they had a pretty good outing? Yes, you know, I thought I thought we had a good game. Um, there are definitely things to improve on, as always, but um, I thought we played really physical. Um, we challenged them um, leading into the game that we were going to have to lean heavy on them. And uh, I thought – I think we had two, three sacks total. Um, even though we didn't have more than that, I thought we did a good job of making sure that ball was coming out quick. And, you know, a lot of times it's about affecting the quarterback more than it is sacking him. You know, obviously sacking him is affecting him, but tipping the ball, quarterback hits, pressuring him, all that stuff, um, that that's just as important. So I thought we did a good job of affecting the quarterback and um, stopping the run in key situations for sure. Obviously my favorite play was the fourth down stop down there on the 10 um, or whatever yard line it was. Um, but, yes, I thought they graded out well, but 
Uh, you got to have a short memory because, you know, it's nobody cares how well you played last week. So, got to yeah, have a good that seems to be the message from this uh, coaching staff, and it's a good one. So um, <clears throat> I got a question about grading out. You talk about grading out. I, I asked Coach Greg on the offensive line, and he was like, you know, there's a few stats that they look at, but mainly they just look at each play and they decide, did he know what he was doing and did he execute it well? That was, that's basically how you grade out. On the defensive line, are there stats that you look at? Do you look at, like, percentages? Or do you basically do the same thing, look at each play and say, yeah, he did a good job, or no, he didn't do a good job? Yeah, you know, we, we do a little bit of both on defense. It's a plus minus from an assignment standpoint. Did you do your job or not? And then off of that, um, you have production, you know, which are the stats that everybody sees basically. So um, you don't want a guy that just does his job and doesn't make any plays, but you also don't want a guy who makes a lot of plays but doesn't do his job, you know what I mean? Because those guys will get you beat. You want somebody who's productive – um and grades out um so uh, i think you know you got you got guys sometimes that make a lot of plays but they got to understand within the framework of the defense they got to do their job because that can hurt you in the long run and then you want guys who aren't robots that just stay in a gap and don't make any plays either you know so um a little different on defense but about the same to what you said with coach greg Okay, so another question I have for you is about a high-motor guy. We always hear about those guys on the defensive line for the most part. I know that uh, Jesse was special with a high motor. I guess my question is, obviously that means playing every play at a very high pace. Is that physical more than mental, or is that, is that a mindset? What would you say, which one is more important? Is that some guy having just unbelievable cardio and being in great shape, or is that a guy who's just made up his mind, he's going to go all out every play? What would you say is, is – I know it's probably a combo of both, but what, it, what would you say makes that special high-motor player on the D-line? Well, it definitely starts with the mental part. You can't start with the physical. It starts with the mental part. You know, uh, our definition of pursuit on defense, not just our D-line, is um, believing you're the only one who can make the play. You know, it's you versus 11 people um, when you're pursuing the ball. And uh, so um, that's that's always been our definition of pursuit ever since Coach Simons and I have worked together. And, uh, you know, if you – don't have a change in speed. This other thing we emphasize is, you know, if it's a constant speed from the time the ball snapped to the whistle's blown or through the echo of the whistle, um, uh, you know, I think, I think that's the motor you're looking for. Now, from a physical standpoint, you know, that's why I like playing a lot of guys because if you can play every snap, you're not playing as hard as you can, you know. Um, if you play every snap in a football game, you're not playing as hard as you can. So, uh, that's why I believe in playing a lot of guys and, you know, that way they can give maximum effort in the 20 to 35 plays they play, um, you know, and, and that's, that's what we want to see. So as with, um, you may, looks like you've made a few changes with Austin Lewis. It might be playing more tackle. Can you just talk about Austin and uh, what he's, how he's changed his body? I noticed he gained a ton of weight this summer. Was that so he could play deep and so he could play in the middle there, or, or is it just kind of been yeah. a natural progression? Uh, it's been a little bit of a natural progression, um, but at the same time, me and him spoke in the offseason. You know, Austin's strength is not his speed. You know what I mean? He's not slow by any means, but his strength isn't his speed. His strength is his strength. You know, his size, his length. And I said, man, you're not going to get any quicker um, by losing weight. And I don't think you're going to get any slower by gaining it. So why wouldn't you gain weight and get bigger and stronger and uh, be a dynamic player who can play multiple positions? So um, that's that's what we've done. And um, with Steve coming on um, – pretty well you know I felt like the best way to get the best players on the field at the same time was to uh, let Austin go play three uh, technique and uh, so that's I think that's a good combination a good little rotation we got going at all those spots. So can you talk to us a little bit about when you came to Liberty with with Coach Freeze and Coach Simons mm -hmm. can you just talk a little bit about you know I know there had to be a vision for what Liberty could be and as a you know, I've been following Liberty for since the since the you know terrible days. I guess my question is: Was this uh, is this what you expected, or is this a little bit quicker? I mean, I know Coach Freeze is kind of saying, you know, maybe this is a little bit quicker than we expected. Um, is that the message he's been putting out to you guys as a staff? Is hey, I think we can go there and win this many games in year two, or has this kind of been a a, a welcome surprise? 
You know, I don't know if I don't know if it's either of those just because we're independent, you know. Um, you play different teams every year. Um, so it's different when you're in a conference and you know I'm gonna play all these Sunbelt schools every single year. You know, that's a measuring stick, you know. Here, your measuring stick is really just what you deem is the best possible you can be, you know. Um, so uh, I knew we could get good players here quickly just because of our facilities and what a great school and location Liberty is. Um, from the standpoint of competing, you know, I, I really – I didn't know just because our schedule's so up and down with who we play, you know. Uh, it's just different teams every year and you don't know how they're developing and things like that. I knew we could be a solid group of five school, um, but – just in terms of competing with ACC schools and stuff like that, I didn't know what that looked like yet, you know. Um, but I've uh, uh, I've been very pleased with our development, and um, you know, and you know, we're still playing a lot, or at least in my room, we're still playing a lot of young players, as talented as we are, you know. I mean, we're still playing, you know, a first-year junior college player. Trayshawn's only a sophomore. Um, Elijah, you know, should be coming back. Uh, Ralph hopefully comes back, you know, uh, Steve's a freshman, Akil's a freshman, um, Kendi's a freshman, Will's a junior, you know, I mean, we got Henry's a sophomore, you know, I mean, we're all young, man. So um, I'm, I'm really happy with the future, definitely more so than the present. Awesome. So <clears throat> I don't know quite your connection down to the South, but it feels like this entire coaching staff has some type of connection to the SIP or, you know, down in that area. So we're playing Southern Miss who, um, you know, coming from that area, where, where are you from down there? And kind of, does this mean anything special to the staff in terms of just like, Hey, here comes, here comes somebody from our old stomping ground area, especially coach freeze and his alma mater type thing. Has this been talked about amongst the staff, and what, where do you fit in in that? Well, I'm from Jackson, Tennessee, so that's just outside of Memphis. Um, at the, you know, you're about an hour from the Mississippi line. Um, uh, in terms of playing Southern Mississippi, that it does it is it any more special? No, but at the same time, uh, you know, we recruit against them a lot. Um, there's a lot of players on their roster I'm really familiar with. Um, I recruit the Mississippi Junior Colleges, so. Um, Coach Greg and I do. And so, you know, there's a lot of guys on their roster that I'm familiar with. They're good players. Um, uh, you know, I know a couple of coaches on their staff. Um, so is it more special? Not really. It definitely is a big deal in recruiting, I think, though. Um, so um, I'm excited for that reason, selfishly. Um, but uh, I think uh, I think some some of the other guys on staff might be a little more connected than me. Um, to that but from a recruiting standpoint that's that's where it hits home for me yeah I saw I don't forget which coach it was but one of the coaches put out a picture of you on the D-line last week back in your playing days yeah. and I, I guess that got me thinking I, I you didn't look too uh, you must have been a high motor guy or something you didn't look super strong or anything mm. but uh, I was wondering okay if you had to play let's say we're in the fourth quarter right now and all of our guys are hurt and there was some crazy rule and we need you to strap up for 10 plays, 10 plays right now. Could you get me a tackle for a loss or a sack in 10 if plays? I was, if I played 10, I'd get you one. I'd get you at least one. <laughs> I'd get you at least one if I played 10. They'd have, so, to, they'd have to cart me off the field afterward, but I could get you at least 10. Cool. And uh, last question I got for you, Coach, is basically uh, about your uh, – just outside of, outside of co coaching football in Lynchburg um, – you know, I see that you, uh, you, you take your son golfing a lot and that seems pretty cool. What, I mean, what is it about the area and what have you found in your free time? If you have any, what do you, what does you and your family like to do in Lynchburg? What makes the area kind of unique? And then, um, you know, talk a little bit about your little phenom golfer you got. Oh no. Yeah. He's, he thinks he's one. Um, I, I you know, I, I grew up on a farm. Um, so I'm a country boy. Um, I, so I love the outdoors and, um, my wife loves the outdoors as well. So just being at a place where you can, you know, drive 45 minutes and climb up a really nice mountain or something like that, it's been really neat. Um, but besides that, I'm just, you know, sports in general, not just football has always been my passion. Um, so passing that on to my son, uh, especially, and my daughter when she gets old enough has been really fun. 
just getting him involved with things. You know, he's four, so he's getting to that age where he can actually go do it with other people, um, not just in our basement and stuff like that. So uh, I live across the street from London Downs, so um, I, I'll sneak out there as much as I can uh, just to do something and stay active. And um, I'm a I'm a fidgety, as my wife says. You know, I can't sit still. So even when I'm off work, I like to do something. Um, so, uh, but but you know, that's that's and then Lynchburg just does such a great job of supporting Liberty. You know, um, it's just uh, I feel like the town is built around this school, and uh, they welcome my family with open arms. And um, so, just being involved with the school and things going around campus has been a blessing as well. Very cool, Coach. Hey, looking forward to the game this Saturday. This is kind of an unreal, char- uncharted territory. And, and, you know, we were talking about, man, we're 5-0. and We're getting all this attention. Our podcast, we've got a lot more listeners. The website's getting a lot more hits. And uh, we were talking about who should we have on. We were like, all right, we've got to get this D-line coach on. Yeah, well, they're playing some outstanding ball. So, uh, congratulations, man. It's been a, been a fun ride. And you've, you've really had some talent down there. And I think you guys are coaching them up the right way. So, we're uh, we're – we love watching and uh, good luck this Saturday. And also I have a four-year-old that loves to golf. So I might, might meet you up at London Downs here and we'll have a little father, son uh, action or something like that. Let's do it. Let's do it. I appreciate it, man. This Saturday at 1 PM, the flames return to Williams stadium to face another conference USA opponent and the golden Eagles of Southern Mississippi. But the Flames are coming off a very impressive road win at Syracuse last week. As we told you to take the Flames at minus two and the over 53. Hopefully you're able to cash those tickets. Flames continue to show that they can run the ball pretty much at will. And I don't anticipate that being a problem on Saturday. For Southern Miss, they've had a wild season so far. Their head coach resigned after their first game of the season. Then they proceeded to lose the next two games. But then they turned things around winning at North Texas 41-31 on October 3rd. And that's the last time we've seen the Eagles on the football field, as the last two games against Florida Atlantic and UTEP were postponed. Now, earlier this week, interim head coach Scotty Walden tested positive for COVID-19, and we hope that that test turns out to be negative, kind of like what we saw with Nick Saban in Alabama last week. So we aren't even quite sure who's going to be coaching the Golden Eagles on Saturday or if this game's going to be played. We say all of that to tell you it won't matter who the coach is. As long as the game's played, we all know Southern Miss really can't stop anyone on D. As the least amount of points they've given up so far this year, 31 points. So, I think you know where we're going here. Our two plays are Liberty minus 10 if you can get it. Most bookmakers have it sitting at Liberty minus 10 and a half. And the over is at 63 and a half. As the Flames, their lowest scoring amount this season was 28 points against North Alabama. So I think we're in good shape here. For this week's Liberty Line, I'm Jared Brooks.